So we'll read chapter 20 together, uh, page 243. And this is the word of the Lord, and we can trust every single promise of it. Then David fled from Naoth and Ramah, and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said to him, Far from it. You shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do for you. David said to Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I shall not fail to sit at table with the king. But let me go, that I may hide myself in the field till the third day at evening. And if your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me to run to Bethlehem and sit For there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the clan. If he says, good, it will be well with your servant. But if he is angry, then know that harm is determined by him. Therefore, deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? And Jonathan said, Far be it from you. If I knew that it was determined by my father that harm should come to you, would I not tell you? And David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. And so they both went out into the field. Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed towards David, shall I not then send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also if I do not disclose it to you, and send you away that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. And if I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord, that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever, when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to him, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed, because your seat will be empty. On the third day, go down quickly to the place where you hid yourself when the matter was in hand, and remain beside the stone heap. And I will shoot three arrows to the side of it, as though I shot at a mark. And behold, I will send the boy, saying, Go find the arrows. If I say to the boy, Look, the arrows are on this side of you. Take them, then you are to come. For as the Lord lives, it is safe for you, and there is no danger. But if I say to the youth, Look, the arrows are beyond you, then go, 
for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter of which you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between you and me forever. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. The king sat on his seat, as at other times, on the seat by the wall, and Jonathan sat opposite, and Abner sat by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought something has happened to him. He is not clean, surely he is not clean, that is David. But on the second day, the day after the new moon, David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has not the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, Let me go, for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now, if I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away and see my brothers. For this reason, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. In the morning, Jonathan went out into the field to the appointment with David, and with him a little boy. And he said to his boy, Run and find the arrows that I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the boy came to the place of the arrow that Jonathan had shot, Jonathan called after the boy and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan called after the boy, Hurry, be quick, do not stay. So Jonathan's boy gathered up the arrows and came to his master. But the boy knew nothing. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. Jonathan gave his weapons to his boy and said to him, Go and carry them to the city. And as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord shall be between me and you, and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. As this week began, Ulster was weeping. Ulster did not know which way to turn. Ulster was lost. Ulster needed a hero. And who was it this week that arose? Who was it who came once again to Ulster's cry when she needed him the most? Lord 
tremble. You didn't see him coming. Some of you might have thought that he had already died. Nope. He was just in a nursing home somewhere where they put all the retired unionist politicians. Peter Robinson's there, Red Jampe, all the rest. And Ulster needed a hero. And Lord Trimble put aside his Sudoku puzzle. He forsook Coronation Street and he decided that he would once again come to his people's aid. And why? Because he was convinced that the government's plans for Brexit were basically ripping up the Good Friday Agreement. The backstop was not honoring the Good Friday Agreement. The covenant made with the people was not being honored. And so Lord Trimble once again got his orange socks on, his wee brown brogues, and his wee Ulster Unionist tie, and he is taking the government to court. Maybe we don't deserve him, but he's the only hero that we've got. Uh, and I am thankful for him, but my friends, I'm also glad to say tonight that uh, perhaps if you are here seeking a greater hero than Lord Trimble, then we have found him. So you might wonder what Lord Trimble writing to the rescue uh, of Ulster has got to do with anything. And you're guaranteed if he's riding to the rescue, it's on a white horse, isn't it? Guaranteed. What has that got to do with anything? Well, in this passage, it's not Ulster that needs a hero, it is David. David's life is under threat. Uh, we spent last week and two whole chapters outlining how, how the enemy, in this case it was Saul, sought to take David's life. It all started because this young whippersnapper had the audacity to kill Goliath and then as I said the, the women came out singing and dancing like the 11th of July singing about how good Saul was but David was better. And that sparked this, this rage, this irrational anger against David and Saul was not doing the work of the Lord. By this stage he is far from the Lord. He is doing the work of the enemy. He seeks to take the anointed's life. David needs a hero. David needs a friend. David needs someone who, who will take his side. We mentioned last week that of course Jonathan was that friend. This wonderful relationship that is outlined through these chapters uh, has launched hundreds and thousands of books over the years about this wonderful friendship between David and Jonathan. And it is all based on the fact that Jonathan, with eyes of faith, realizes who David is and says, David, I'm on your side. I know my father is not on your side, but I'm on your side. And in 1 Samuel 18, 3-4, as we heard last week, Jonathan makes a covenant with David. In verse 3, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself off the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. There's the basis of this friendship. There's the basis of, of this hero. Jonathan says to David, I am for you. I'm in your team. And, and if you don't believe me, here are my royal garments. Here is is my armor, here is my sword, here is my bow, here is my belt. Jonathan, the son of the king, basically is humbling himself between the Lord before the Lord's anointed. And David's not the, the king at this stage. David's just a, a guy in the court, but Jonathan recognizes it and says, I'm for you. I know what's going on here, and, and it's you and me. It's you and me. And so where does David run? When he's had enough of Saul seeking to take his life, David runs to Jonathan. And David comes and says, Jonathan, I need your help. As we open this chapter, David 
uh, fled from Naoth and Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt and what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And often, friends, that is, even the answer to those questions brings us relief. Because David genuinely has, has no clue. What is it I have done to Saul? What, what, I've killed Goliath. What, what's, what is my problem here? What's my fault? Uh, it wasn't me singing those songs. It, it, it can't be my fault. What is it I have done? And unfortunately, at this stage, Jonathan's a wee bit, a wee bit blind to him. And Jonathan knows what his dad's like. Of course he does. But, but maybe he's just hoping for the best in this case. And sometimes our, our friends are like that. Sometimes our friends say, sure, give him the benefit of the doubt. And you know in your bones that individual in your life is a clampet. But your friend says, oh, no, 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 give him, give him the benefit of the doubt. Essentially, that's what Jonathan says. He, he says, far from it. You shall not die, David. Don't, don't worry about this. My father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. He's not going to hide this from me. So don't worry about it. it, it it's not so. But David knew the score. David knew that all the spears flung at him was for a reason. Um, with Valentine's Day coming up, gentlemen, maybe the spears that your good lady has thrown at you, there's perhaps a reason for that, okay? Uh, she's not just practicing for the Olympics, she's aiming for your head. David knew rightly, anybody that fires a spear at you has probably got an issue. David said, your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes, and he thinks, do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. I am on my way out, Jonathan. Your father knows that we have this relationship. He knows that we are friends. He's not going to tell you this. I'm on my way. Soon I am going to die. And if the story was left there, then of course David would die. Saul is enraged against him. Saul knows that this guy is going to be the king. And Saul even says later to Jonathan, if, if we don't get rid of this, David, you will never be king. Saul knows what's going on, and Saul is going to do his utmost to kill David, and it, and it means that Saul's even going to keep things from his son. And we touched on last week how, how sin does that, how the enemy often works in that way. He, he causes us to lie and deceive and, and have little conversations here, there, and everywhere. That's a, a strategy of the enemy. It always has been. And so Saul, in this case, doesn't say to Jonathan, he's being a wee bit sneaky. He's not letting the right hand know what the left hand is up to, but surely his desire is to end this guy's life. But, thanks be to God. Because although Jonathan initially says, it, you know, I'm pretty sure my dad doesn't want to kill you. I'm pretty certain that that's not the case. They come up with this plan to, to see, and to test the waters, and to, to figure out what Saul's all about. And if this plan where David will go and he'll wait for news, uh, and Jonathan will come and fire arrows, and depending where the arrows go, David will know either, come on in for your dinner, or run, and don't stop running. And if this strategy all worked out, and Jonathan goes on David's behalf, and he stands before Saul, and essentially says, Dad, why are you doing why are you doing this? Why, why are you, you going to take this guy's life? Why are you going to shed innocent blood? Why are you doing this? And Saul's response is horrendous. 
in verse 30, Saul's anger was, was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman. I prepared this this week. I thought, you know, I would love to have a son. I would call him that just once. You son of a perverse, rebellious woman. What an insult. Jonathan's a son that anybody would be proud of. He's a, he's a son standing up for his friend. He's a son that's trying to help his father see sense. He's, he's a son who is loyal to his father. And as the story goes on, Jonathan will even die on behalf of his father. It, it's, it's undeserved. Saul, so angry, so bitter against David, will, will take out anybody that gets in his way. You son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? As long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. And you think of that at that point, well, surely at that stage, Jonathan will quit. David has sought out a hero, if you like. David has looked for a friend who will be faithful in all circumstances he has come to Jonathan but in a, a family situation like this well Jonathan's mother's getting dragged into it Jonathan's been called a son of a perverse rebellious woman Jonathan's inheritance if you like has been threatened if you don't get rid of him you're never going to be king send him into me and even at this point Jonathan stands again and says why should he be put to death what has he done and Saul this time hurls his spear at Jonathan to strike him so Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. I love the way sometimes when you read the word, it's, it's so understated. You can imagine a spear crossing Jonathan's ear almost, and, and at that point Jonathan realizing, I think my dad wants to kill David. You know? Friends, in a circumstance like that, would you continue to be someone's hero? In a situation like this where you're, your own father maybe says to you, it's, it's me or it's him. It's me or, or it's that church. It's me or it's that friend. Would, would you continue to stand? See, I don't know how Lord, long Lord Trimble is going to ride that wee white horse. And I don't know how long a friend of yours will continue to stand for you. Friends, that's the reality of friendship sometimes. When it gets in the way of family or finances or future, perhaps we're not such good friends as we once thought. But in this story, we see the absolute integrity of this young man, Jonathan, who even under threat of death, who even when he knows this is not going to be my kingdom, even when he realizes his own father, it seems, is, is growing to despise him, Jonathan does not why not? Because as we said at the start of this sermon, he and David had this covenant. First Samuel 18, verse 3, again, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Here is this bond that is between them. Here is this relationship that is literally going to stand the test of time. This relationship that means Jonathan will go out into the field, he will fire his arrows, and he will say to his friend, it's time to go. It's time to go. I've got this wrong. My dad wants your life. Get out of here. It's time to go. And they have this 
glorious embrace at the end of this chapter. They genuinely love each other. David has found that friend. He has found that hero. Jonathan is faithful to him to the very end. And what I find so touching about this right at the end of this chapter is that that David and Jonathan only will see each other again just one more time in life. Here is this precious friendship. And David is someone who stands for him. Friends, I hope you have a, a Jonathan in your life. I hope there's someone who will take your side. I, I hope sometimes you will have a friend to turn to, uh, a buddy to call upon, a, a number that maybe you don't ring every day of the week, but you know if you ring it, there's someone at the end of it who's going to take your side and get your back. I hope that you do. But what if you don't? What if tonight you sit here and you you hear me working through this wee story of, of Jonathan that says, it's going to be okay, my dad's not out to get you, his spear's at his head, and suddenly, oh, David, run, my dad's out to get you, but, but I'm still for you. And you, you read this story and you think, I have nobody like that. I have nobody to take my part. And friends, let's get into the, the nitty-gritty and the dirt and the weeds of it, because sometimes you will experience situations like this, not with kings and queens, you will experience situations like this with family. When I do funerals, you know as soon as you go into a house that there's either just mourning and a family together, or there's tension. There's something not right. And and you know it. As soon as you walk in the door, you you know it. And you're sitting down, you're talking to the family, and you're going through things, and you're saying, so do you have any brothers and sisters and say, yes, there's Margaret, and there's there's Sammy and there's uh, there's Tom. And you think, uh-oh, Tom, whoever Tom is, Tom's the black sheep. You know straight away. And you might experience that, folks. In your family, you feel like you're the black sheep. And you look about and, and you wonder, who, who's got my back when, when my father has treated me in an absolutely horrendous way? Who's got my back when my, my sister, really for some reason that I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with her, but my, my sister's against me. She seems to despise me. And, and like David, you're saying, what is it I've done? What is my guilt? And you just don't know. And she won't speak to you. And she hasn't uh, engaged with you in a long time. And friends, the amount of times in my life where I hear conversations like that, if I had a, a pound for every time, I probably would have about 17 pounds. I'm not going to say millions. I haven't had millions of conversations. But it happens quite a lot. We don't don't see that person. That person won't be at the funeral for whatever reason. And you know the hurt of that. And you've done your best under God to to remain faithful. You haven't gone out of your way to hurt anybody. You've tried to be a faithful man or woman of God. You've, You've tried to be all things to all men. You've tried to bend over backwards. You've tried to give people the benefit of the doubt like Jonathan does with his own father. But that is not out to get you. You've done that. You've walked those miles. You've you've experienced the hurt and the sadness. You've cried under your pillow, but you've kept going. Why? Because you love Jesus and you're going to help this situation. And what happens? Clear off, you son of a perverse woman. Slap in the face. Your name's mud. You're you're the you're the disgrace. You're the one. It's your fault. If you hadn't said this, blah blah blah, we'd been there, haven't we? We get it in families, we get it in churches, we get it in the workplace. 
Friends, often life is messy. And life is sore and life is hard. And often we don't have a Jonathan. We would love someone to ride to our rescue, but, but often our Jonathan seems to be far away. Friends, tonight I hope you can rejoice. Because as we read through this passage, I, I hope the language I use to explain this situation, I hope that you realize you are not without a Jonathan. You're not without someone who has entered into a covenant relationship with you. You're not without someone who takes your side. You're not without a faithful friend who, who stands between you and all the lies and error of the devil. You're not without someone who, who would shed his blood for your sake. You're not without someone who knows, who knows that you're not a lying dirtbag or whatever it was you're called who knows that the rumors that have been spread about you are false, who knows that your family have got the wrong end of the stick about you. You are not without someone who, who gets all that and understands that and embraces you the way Jonathan embraces David. Friends, you don't need me to fill in the blank, but I'll do it anyway. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. You know, Jenny's always at me about this. She'll say to me, Scott, you need to keep get in touch with your friends more. There's Woody and Phil. We play Risk every sort of eight years. Something like that. We'll get together. You need to hang out with your friends more. I will. I will. Phone Woody. Ah, uh -huh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will. Mm -hmm. And she'll say, no, you should. You should. What, what about that other? I, look, I don't really have friends. I tell her, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. You kid yourself, don't you? You kid yourself that you're all right. You can do it on your own. You can stand alone. You're, you don't need buddies. You don't, you don't need help. My friends, sometimes we all need a little help, don't we? If growing up in the 80s taught me anything, you either get help from the A-team if you can find them, from the littlest hobo if he runs into your garden one day, uh, or, thanks to Sunday school, probably the best option, our help comes from the Lord. Friends, that is the reality. Some of you are blessed tonight to have multiple Jonathans in your life. Don't push those Jonathans away. Embrace them. Love them. Cherish them. They have got your side. But, but for those of you that genuinely, honestly think, I wish I had a Woody to phone. And I don't. Honestly, I don't. You do. His name is Jesus. And we know that he is for us and we know that he is not against us and we know that he will die for us because he already has and we know that he intercedes for us. And at the heart of it is this wonderful covenant relationship. So Jonathan says to David, I've got your back. I have a covenant with you. I love you as I love my own soul. I've got your back. And friends, the covenant that we are part of tonight is the covenant of grace. It is a covenant that we see all through Scripture. It is first announced in Genesis chapter 3 when the Lord says to the devil of all people, the devil hears about the gospel, he hears about the covenant of grace. And the Lord says, Satan, child's coming. 
He's going to bruise his heel, but he is going to crush your head. Here's the covenant of grace. And it's outlined all the way through Genesis. And, and the Lord makes this promise with Abraham. Uh, and the Lord cuts all these animals in half and he walks between them. A visible representation of the Lord, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passes before all these pieces of animals. And what's going on is the Lord himself is passing through these animals and he's saying, this will happen to me if I ever break this promise. I myself, says the Lord, will be cut in two and destroyed if I ever break this promise. Well, friends, that wonderful promise, that covenant of grace that was, that was put in place in the midst of rebellion, that covenant of grace is still applicable today and we receive its benefits by faith. That moment that you trusted Christ, that that glorious moment in your granny's knee, that wonderful moment before you climbed into bed that night, that moment wherever it was, that time you called out to Jesus, then you were no longer going to be a son of a perverse woman. You were never going to be someone who would just have to walk through life alone and, and hope that maybe one day you'd have a friend somewhere. That moment where you exercised that gift of faith and put your trust in Jesus, you became a beneficiary of the covenant of grace. That glorious promise, that bond, ties you together, not to a human Jonathan, but to the greater Jonathan, the Lord Jesus Christ, who goes before rulers and principalities and kings and queens and stands for you. He stands for you. And friends, that is a glorious thing to understand, especially as we, as we read this and, you know, you think to yourself, I could act in this story could act in this story. Saul's like your man who tormented me for years. He, he, he's like that guy, you know, just was always at me. Do you remember him? That's like Saul and, and then his, his son was sort of my friend, but he took his dad's side. I could act in this story and I really need a friend. My friends, you've got one. The greatest of all friends whose own blood has, has sealed that covenant. He has sealed the deal and he is for you. See, as Jonathan goes out and he, and he shoots the arrows, they, that's the arrow noise, they go beyond the little boy and it's, it's that sign to say, get out of here. And our Savior, Jesus, does that too. As he shoots the arrow of his word, it sometimes urges us to flee, to run to safety, to turn to him, to cling to him, to not take a course of action that we were going to. Jesus sometimes says, run. And sometimes Jesus' arrows go another way, and, and they pierce our heart, and they show us our sin, and, and, and he calls us with an arrow back to him, and he says, come here, and we'll, we'll talk about this sin, and I'll remind you that I've forgiven it, and I, and I will equip you and send you out to sin no more. Jesus, Jesus does that too. And sometimes his his arrows shoot at our enemies and, and he takes them out for us. And we should not uh, misunderstand that, folks. Tonight, the Lord is for us. And I often marvel and ponder at the truth that, that we do not have a clue how the Lord sovereignly and providentially protects us. Have you ever been, for example, this close to an accident? And you've thought to yourself, whoa, four seconds more and... I would have been like that. 
sometimes we put that down to fate, don't we? We just say, oh, I was very lucky today. The Lord is for you. The Lord protects you physically, emotionally, spiritually. The Lord stands in your place in the heavenly realm. Flesh and blood is at the right hand of the Father. And when the evil one whispers in your ear that you are a son or a daughter of a perverse woman, that you are a scumbag, a dirtbag, not worthy of the love of God. It is Jesus himself who says, this is one of mine. This one belongs to me. Silent, Satan. It is Jesus that does that. My friends, when we say that we are saved, we think in very Northern Ireland terms, we think that I'm, I'm saved from hell, and yes, we are, amen. But we are saved in a much richer, glorious way. Saved in such a way that as the Heidelberg Catechism says, not a hair will fall off your head without the will of your Father. That's your Jonathan. So tonight if you are a David who, who wonders, why is this happening? Why does my once good friend no longer fool? Why do people believe the worst about me? Why am I going through this moment? What is my guilt? What, what have I done? What is this all about? My brothers and sisters, those, those cries tonight don't need to just be thrown out in the outer space, out to the stars. You don't need tonight to, to go out into your back garden and just cry out and hope that nobody hears. And dry your tears before you go back into the house because you put on a brave face don't need to go like that anymore. My friends, we have Jesus. The one who is sealed in his own blood, the covenant of grace. That covenant that we have received by faith. So tonight you are not on your own. Not once, not, not ever. You are not on your own. And that gives us wonderful hope because if we are part of this covenant, if we do have this faithful, good, true Jonathan for a friend who we call the Lord Jesus Christ, if this is the case, then the Lord will do what he said. I'm sure as David sat waiting for, for Jonathan to return, can, can you imagine that? Your, your friend's coming out uh, and, and to show you what's going on in the head office, if you like, he's going to fire an arrow. Maybe if it was you or me, you'd be thinking, if his dad's offered him that car, maybe the arrow's going to be fired into my head. Isn't that a strange picture? Here comes Jonathan with the arrow. I wonder if David's thinking, am I going to get this in the mouth? Jonathan, of course, comes, and David is safe. David is cared for because the word of God is true. Those who love the Lord will, will realize that the Lord will keep his promise every promise of his word. And friends, I want you to read your Bible this week with, with that understanding. Some of you are trying to read through the New Testament in either 8 or 16 weeks. I want you to read it this week. And every time you, you see a word and you think, that's amazing, it's true. Every promise. And not just for the super spiritual Christians, but for you. A Christian whose faith isn't always strong. A Christian who who sometimes feels like the biggest failure in Balna Hinch, but every promise of God's word is true. He is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God, 
And by faith, you're part of this glorious truth. God will do what he says, and God is the one who will get us to the finishing line. We'll not spoil the story. Some of you might know what happens to David. He gets a wee crown and all the rest of it. We're going to get there. We're going to work our way through. But, but throughout David's life, truly he could sing, The Lord's my shepherd. Truly he could say, I shall not want. Truly he could make it absolutely clear, If I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In the presence of my enemies, the Lord sets a table before me. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. David could sing that and mean it. Because David came to understand that that yes, he had a Jonathan, but most of all, he had a savior, a shepherd, and Jesus was his name. Friends, you and I are not part of God's redemptive plan the way David was. We We're not going to be king on Israel's throne. We're not going to be seeing our descendants on the throne of of David forever. We're not part of it in that way. But we're still part of it. We're united to Christ by faith. And because that is true, then tonight go home. Go in peace. Stop kicking lumps out of yourself. And stop doubting. And stop believing that you're unlovable. Go home and go in peace. Folks, I'm a big lad. I'm a handsome big fella. You know that. See, last night, this thing made these grand resolutions at the start of the year. And one of them was, Scott, you get the belly off before you're 40. You have that lovely bikini, and you, you want this summer to be the year you get to wear that in Portrush. So, so, so I've been walking more, walking to church, and uh, walking home from church. Obviously, you have to go back. I've been walking more. I've been trying to do 10,000 steps a day in the outfit bit. So anyway, I was a bit lazy yesterday. Uh, I was away preaching this afternoon. I have a funeral tomorrow. and was doing wee bits around that, but I, I didn't go too much further. And so I'm sitting on the sofa. Uh, and it's about half nine, and Jenny says, right, I'm, I'm going up to bed. See you up there. No problem. And I looked at the outfit bit, and I thought, I wonder how many steps I've done. And it said 2,273. So I thought to myself, right, I'll get up, and I'll go for a wee walk. And I did get up and go for a walk, but it took me about an hour and a half to get up. So if you'd have been going round Ballon Hinch at about 11 o'clock last night, I was out doing my power walking, you know. And like I say, I'm a big lad. But because I didn't want to wake the kids, I went in and out of the house through the back door. And as I went into the garden of the manse last night, the, the security light didn't come on. I couldn't find the key for the back door. I had my headphones on and I realized someone comes up behind me, I can't hear them. So I was doing all this and getting the headphones off and trying to turn off the music and find the key. And I can tell you, age 39, built like a tank, big handsome fella, I was quaking in my own garden. It's one of those moments where you think, somebody's going to get me. Somebody's going to get me. And, and why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they steal someone good looking like me? They could get a fortune for me in the black market. But folks, that's life sometimes. We're walking through the darkness. 
and we know that we should not quake, and we know that we should not fear, and yet we can hardly get the key out of our pocket because we've doubted every promise of God's word, and we think we are seconds away from the evil one cutting our legs off or the Lord himself writing us out of his book. Friends, by faith, it isn't going to happen. By faith, even if a Saul himself was against you, by faith, even the devil himself be against you, you will get to the finishing line. You will not falter. You will not slip and stumble through the fingers of the Lord. And why not? Because his covenant stands secure. And we don't need Lord Trimble to fight for us. Because Jesus is our King. Friends, go home and sleep. Go home and rest. Because you are loved in a way that